2 Timothy chapter 4. This is the last chapter of the last epistle that Paul wrote before the Lord called him home. And uh, I want us to read verses 5 through 8, very familiar passage of Scripture, and ask that God would just speak to us through His Word this morning. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5 says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And I just want to say this is Paul's testimony. This is his testimony. We know we read about his salvation in the book of Acts and on the Damascus Road where he met with the Lord. But you know, our testimony is not just the day we got saved. Our testimony is the record. That's what that means, a record or witness for Christ. And this is his record at the end of his life. He is encouraging a young minister, uh, one of, or you would say his disciples, certainly the Lord's disciple, but one of Paul's disciples, uh, Timothy, who's the pastor of the church of Ephesus, which was a huge church. And uh, he was a young man, Timothy was. And Paul's come to the end of his earthly life, and he's found God to be faithful. And he's found God to be uh, holy, and he's found God to be a rewarder. Of, of the life that's lived for him. And he's speaking to him in here, and he says in verse 5, make full, make full proof of your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. Then he talks about his life. I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I don't know that the Lord necessarily tells every believer that he's about to call him home. He can do that if he wants to. He did that in Peter's life. He knew, Peter knew the type of life, death that he was going to, die for the Lord, and he knew it was getting close when we read 2 Peter. And here we see uh, Paul knew uh, for his testimony for Christ that he was getting ready to be called home to be with the Lord. He had said earlier in other epistles that to, to depart and be with Christ was far better. It was not something he was depressed about. It was not something he was scared about. But it, you do see that the uh, the testimony here that he, he wanted to finish what God had him for him to do. And at this point in his life, he knew that he had finished what God had for him to do. And so this is his testimony. And I want to say to you this morning uh, and say to myself as well, and any believer that may listen to this, that that is a great joy and a testimony I believe that we all can have to come to the end of our life and have a peace the peace of God as a servant of God, knowing that we've finished what God has called us to do. And you know what? In order to finish what we, God has called us to do, we need to know the Lord. And we need to walk closely with the Lord. And we need to hear His voice for the big things afar off that He has for us and for the daily things day by day that He has for us. We need to hear the voices of our Good Shepherd. We need to put the other influences and voices out of our life and be tuned into the Lord. That's only going to come through prayer. It's only going to come as you spend time with God. Your spouse can't do it for you. Your parents can't do it for you. You need to know the Lord yourself and have that inner witness and the voice of the Good Shepherd by the Holy Spirit leading you through life. 
knowing that you are. How could he know that at the end of his life that he fought the good fight and finished his course? How could he know that? Not just because he was about to die. I believe he knew he was going to die because the Lord showed him. But he also knew he finished what God had given him to do. And he had to know what God had given him to do. And I believe that is something, not that you and I are going to do exactly what the Apostle Paul did in our lives and in the ministry, but we can certainly finish the way he finished. This is what we're going to talk about today. And I believe we ought to finish the way he finished. I think every believer ought to go out in the blaze of glory, so to speak. They might be dying by themselves somewhere on a mountaintop like Moses and the Lord buried him, the Bible says. But he still went out the way God wanted him to go out. Moses did. And he went out having finished what God had called him to do. I absolutely believe that that is something every one of us as Christians can do and should do. We ought to finish what God has given us to do. And we ought to finish strong. And I think it's a wonderful way to live. It's a wonderful way to live uh, knowing that daily I'm in the will of God. Not that God has called me to this over here, but Lord, I know you've called me to that, but I'm busy over here right now. The next six months, the next five years, I'm busy over here doing something else. I know that's good. And I know that I have the calling of God upon my life to do that. But, and I love you, Lord. You see, that person's not in the will of God. I'm not saying they're not a Christian. I'm saying they're fighting against what God has for them. And God has wonderful things for us. The only real joy you're going to have is knowing that you're in the will of God and doing that will. That's where the real joy comes from. You can be suffering and still be joyful. He might have you to suffer for something, for righteousness sake. He says they're blessed. They're blessed. We're blessed when we suffer for righteousness sake. But to live knowing I'm in the will of God, to live knowing that I'm doing what the Lord has called me to do. Because you know what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes? He says that uh, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. So he opens that epistle pretty much. Or that book, not an epistle. And he, he's talking about at the end of his life, I don't believe that Solomon lived the life that God had for him to. I believe, looking from the Scriptures, it seems apparent to me that he started off very well with the Lord and he was humble and God asked him, you know, asking me in a dream. He's becoming king as a young man, taking over for his father David. And, and asking me, the Lord says, and I'll give you whatever you want. And he starts off really well, doesn't he? I mean, really well. I'm talking about spiritually and in the Lord. And he asked for wisdom on a, a wise heart to be able to judge the people and to be the ruler of God's holy people and his heritage. And God blessed him with that. But God was pleased with what he asked. He had a wonderful beginning. And then we, say, we see that he says he loved many strange women and they took his heart away because he began to worship the gods that these women worshipped. And he indulged, it looks like, that whatever he saw, he didn't withhold his hand from it. He indulged in, in worldly things. He indulged in, and they're not necessarily all sinful, but he was pursuing after what does life have to offer? You know, the gusto of life. I want to tap into this. I want to find out what pleasure music brings or what pleasure this brings or comedy or laughter or whatever or wild animals he had put in his courtyard out there. It says he had a peacocks and apes and all kinds of stuff running around in his courtyard out there. And uh, he was just trying to indulge in life, in the world. And he says at the end of his life, this is why I believe from the Word of God that he came back, 
because he said vanity of vanity, all is vanity. And here the sum of the matter, basically fear God and keep his commandments. And he talks about the Lord. It seems as though uh, he came to his senses, so to speak. But, but I don't believe in his whole lifetime, it doesn't seem like he was in the will of God. Obviously he was not. Consistently as a pattern. That means maybe for a big chunk of his life, or a big portion of his life, he was outside of the will of God. And maybe there was other things that God had for the man to do for God's kingdom that went undone. Now, God's not going to suffer in the sense that God will find someone to fulfill his will. But for Solomon's life and what could have been for the entirety of his life was not. And I believe that the Lord is the most wonderful way that you and I could live. Not telling you what to do with your life. God will tell you that. But to know that you and I are in the will of God and to stay there. To hear his voice, to walk where he has us to walk. And, and I think about a man like Alexander the Great. I forgot exactly how old uh, he was when he died, but he was in his earlier mid-30s. Alexander the Great, we hear about him. And his great conqueror that conquered lands and empires and and he died depressed. And a lot of people think he died an alcoholic and depressed because he was, he was just gloomy and down because he, in his realm or his life, he didn't see any other empires to conquer. So basically life was over. There was not the next challenge for him. And I don't think that's going out. The world might look at it differently. But Paul went out with a, in glory. Paul went out saying, I fought the good fight of faith. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. I've run the race. And, and, and there's his crown laid up for me. His was still out there ahead of him. The rewards. What he was looking forward to. And where Alexander the Great, in the worldly sense, just, it's over at 35. You know what I'm saying? It was over. His kingdom was divided real quickly after he died, I think, into four other kingdoms. And uh, he didn't even get to really enjoy it. He didn't go out. Of course, he wasn't a believer as far as we know. But uh, the Bible says that we can go out that way. And the Bible talks about the rapture, for example. Oh, death, where is thy victory? Right? Death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? The, the, the strength of, of uh, sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can go out that way in victory. And let's look back at what Paul says. I'm ready to be offered, verse 6, the time of my departure is at hand. For a lot of people, you look at the movies, you read books, you see people, they're scared to die. They don't want to die. They want one more breath, one more minute, one more day. They got all these regrets in life. I need to tell my estranged children that I love them. I, need to, I wanted to see Europe. You know, I wanted to do this. And all these different things that people wanted to do. And Paul's not worried about all that. Because what he's got coming for him is far better. He wasn't finishing life on this earth with unfinished business. He was finishing life uh, maybe younger than some people, maybe older than some people. Different kind of death than some people, same kind of death as some people. But he finished his life right how God wanted him to do. Wanted him to finish. And he says, I have fought a good fight. That means honorable. Good means honorable. I fought an honorable fight. I have finished my course. 
I have kept the faith. And Jude talks about that we're to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. The faith. He's talking about the faith in Jesus Christ. This gospel right here. This Genesis to Revelation. This Bible. He kept it. He didn't say he was sinless. He didn't say he was perfect. He didn't say after he was saved, he never sinned again. He's saying, I kept the faith. I kept my eyes on Jesus. I kept walking with the Lord. And then he talks about this crown that's laid up for him. Is there any other way that you would want to exit this life other than that? Is there any other way? All of us, you know what I mean? Just all of us living through life and, and leaving how we're supposed to leave in God's will and God's timing, having finished what God's called us to do, not with a million regrets. Not with a million regrets of things unfinished, specifically things that God had for us to do. Specifically His calling upon our life. There's no other way that, that you and I would, as a believer would want to leave, to leave. This was His testimony right before He was martyred for Jesus Christ in Rome because of His testimony for the Lord. He had, what He had done, He had, he had done for, uh, in His testimony for Christ what God had made Him, what God had done in Him and for Him and through Him. And this is what He's testifying of. Again, I want you to notice there's no mention here in this passage, nor will you find it anywhere in, in Paul's epistles of Him from the day He got saved that He never made a mistake. From the day he got saved, oh, I never, I was perfect. I never committed a sin from the day, that day on the road to Damascus. He doesn't say that. And I don't believe that that is the case either. Nor would Paul say it. But he, he doesn't, but he does say that by faith, I know that I have successfully finished what God had for me. And I think that's the key. It's not that we're perfect from the day we get saved forward. We are being perfected by the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But I can, even though I may, uh, as a believer, I talk about this all the time. As a believer, you and I are walking down the road. We're looking unto Jesus. I'm looking at that beautiful painting that Buck and Rachel gave us back there. And I hung it on the wall last week. And I'm looking, there's like a little light at the end of that tunnel. So we're saved now and we see Christ and we're walking that way. Along the way, it's our own fault. It's our own sin. But we can take our eyes off of the Lord for a moment. And we have. Say something we shouldn't say. Think something we shouldn't think. Act in some way we shouldn't. Not do something we should have done. Sins of omission and commission. And we stumble and we fall. And we get dirty in our sin. But the blood of Jesus, if we'll turn to Him, quickly cleanses us from that. And guess what? I'm still on this same road. Where we get in trouble is when I sin and I don't come to the Lord for forgiveness and I sin again. I say, I kind of, I kind of like this. And I sin again, I sin again. And my heart begins to stray from the Lord and I'm getting off of that road. But when we quickly repent, I can still finish that course. I can still finish exactly how God wants me to and do exactly what He wants me to do. The Bible talks about the fact that he is able, in the Old Testament, he says he's able to restore the years that the canker worm has eaten. I don't even really know what a canker worm is. But he talks about caterpillars and these other things that just eat up everything. Let's say there was a plague, and, they, and you've seen caterpillars probably on your bushes at home, and they eat up my azalea bush. I go out there and there's nothing but sticks left. I'm like, what is the deal with my azaleas? They're nothing but twigs. 
And, and I look in these, these big fat caterpillars are just chomping away on them. But they, they eat up everything. And the Lord, and only the Lord, in a man's life is able to restore years that the canker worms, they sin or not knowing God, or, or know, knowing the Lord and, and backsliding and getting out of His will. And I was out of, will for, of the will of God for five years, 10 years, 20 years. Came back. I think the Lord can restore those years. And somehow, only God can make up for that lost time and still have me finish strong. And that's what we're talking about today is finishing strong in the Lord. Paul said, and I'm just going to read this. You know the, the Scripture, 2 Timothy uh, 1, 11 and 12, if you want to turn there. Wherefore, whereunto I am appointed a preacher. So he knew he was, a, what is he appointed to, right? He knew what God had called him to. He wasn't confused. He didn't think he was supposed to be a Christian baker, okay? Or a Christian uh, shepherd. He was called to be, he says, I'm appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. He was in prison when he was writing this. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep all that I, which I have committed unto him against that day. And that's the day he's talking about, I believe, that we open with in chapter 4. The Lord is able to give me this crown uh, in that day. And I think it's the day when he was going to see the Lord. The day, maybe the judgment seat of Christ or at his appearing. When, when it's all sort of reckoned and it all comes full circle. People that die for the Lord. Right then they're... They're dying for the Lord. Maybe they spent five years in prison as a martyr, for, uh, prisoner for the Lord in North Korea, and then they die at the end of that. All that time, they're suffering and pain and so forth. But that day is coming when they're going to have a glorified body and they're going to receive a reward for that. They're actually going out strong. They're finishing strong because they're finishing exactly how God wanted them to. And everything is set before them. The table is set. The Lord's Supper is set before Him, so to speak. The marriage supper of the Lamb and everything that they're going to enjoy. This is what Paul's talking about. He says, I know whom I believed. He's not doubting it at this point. Wondering was it wise to serve God. You know, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees and I achieved more than everybody else. All my contemporaries in the Jewish faith. He's looking at that as dumb. He's looking at that as waste. And he's forgetting those things that are behind. He's pressing towards the mark for the prize, the high calling in, of God in Christ Jesus. And so there's more, there's more, there's more. Like we talked about in Sunday school when Peter taught this morning. Uh, it's out there. And so um, he never talked about being sinless or perfect. He talked about being in the will of God. Fighting the good fight. Keeping the faith. He did keep the faith. I say it all the time. You can sin and keep the faith. You know how? We shouldn't sin. Beloved, these things are right unto you that you sin not. But if we do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. How do I keep the faith when I sin? Well, first of all, you and I shouldn't sin. And we have no excuse to. But we do. How can I keep the faith? I can ask God to forgive me and repent and mean it. And turn back to the Lord. So guess what? I've kept the faith. Is an unbeliever going to do that when they sin? No, they're not. But a believer can. And I've kept the faith. I sinned and I asked God to forgive me and I meant it. And I said, strengthen me in that area, God. Let's, I want to keep walking with you. I'm keeping the faith. I'm, I'm moving on with the Lord personally and my testimony as well. The only perf perfect one is the Lord. 
But we can, as the redeemed of the Lord, walking by faith, filled with this spirit, walking in the love of God, in the obedience of the Lord, we can run as Paul did. I don't have to compare myself to Paul. Okay, as far as what was accomplished through his life as a believer on this earth. I think there would be very few that would compare to that. But at the same time, I can run like Paul ran. I can fight like Paul fought. The honorable or the good fight. And you and I can absolutely finish our course like he did. He said, I finished my course. You know what that means? It means race, like we would think. Somebody running a race and they get to the finish line. It also means career. I finished my career. I finished up my race of the course. He got to the last step. He didn't, he didn't uh, you know, strafe in the Lord and like Demas, okay? Everybody doesn't finish the race. And everybody doesn't finish strong. And Demas got to the end of some point in his life. I don't know the end of his life. And we've talked about Demas before. And Paul talks about him later in this chap- chapter. And Paul's talking about people that have forsaken him. And some that still stood with him. Timothy, obviously, not physically with him, but was still standing in the faith. And Titus and people like that. But he says Demas has, uh, have lo- has loved this present world and has departed. And you get the picture because there's no epilogue to the end of that, what happened after that. You get the picture with Demas that he had walked with the, with the Lord and served Jesus Christ with Paul. He's written about in two of the other epistles, I believe, as a co-laborer in the gospel with Paul. And then we get to Paul's end, end of Paul's life. And we don't know the reason other than he says he's loved this present world. Maybe persecutions arose to Demas. And he said, you know what? Forget this. Serving the Lord thing is too much. And he didn't finish strong. We don't know that he finished at all. I'm not going to put a judge, judgment on his eternal you know, salvation, but he, he wasn't there. He didn't finish uh, at all strong. But it's very encouraging to me in my own walk with the Lord to really know and believe that I can finish this way. That I don't have to measure myself to Paul. That I can look at the end of his life and learn he finished what God had for him. Can I do that? Can I? Yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can you do that? You can. You can and your reward in heaven is not going to be any less or more, I don't believe, than Paul's or, or, any, or a full-time minister or anything like that. It's going to be, to me, were you faithful to what, what God called you to do? Were you faithful to what God called you to do? Somebody could be a pastor and for a big portion of their ministry, they weren't faithful to what God called them to do. You understand what I'm saying? So you and I have to be faithful to the Lord. I want to read this uh, scripture. 2 Peter 1, 10 and 11. I'm going to go ahead and read it for time's sake. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Alright, so we don't save ourselves. He's not saying make sure that you save yourself. We're saved by the grace of God through faith. But he says, wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling an election. And that's what a calling is, a choosing of the Lord. Uh, sure, for if you do these things, you should never fall. Demas fell. He stumbled and fell. And we don't read that he got back up. Solomon fell. It does appear, according to the Word of God, that he got back up. 
by the grace of God and was forgiven and finished the way he was supposed to. He says, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. Remember, we studied this in 2 Peter. Into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so there's, there's either dying and going to heaven as a believer, way out of the will of God, you know, straying way over here in right left field somewhere. Here's what God had for me. And I ended up dying as a believer way over here somewhere. Am I going to heaven? Yeah, if I'm a believer, I'm going to heaven. I'm either saved or I'm lost. If I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. But that's not finishing up my life with a testimony for Christ the way I could have, the way I should have, the way that my Savior is worthy of. And not not the way that I would want to enter into heaven. I'm glad that I'm going to enter into heaven. After the millennium, He's going to wipe all the tears away. Amen. And heaven's going to be heaven. And the new Jerusalem's going to be in the new Jerusalem. And it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be just like the Bible says and more than we can imagine. But at the same time, there was a calling that I had on my life. And I don't want to die out there outside of that calling. I want to die, live and die where, where the Lord wants me to. And finish in that way. So that he says there's an entrance. Not only entrance to heaven through the blood of Jesus. Which we have its only entrance to heaven is through the blood of Christ. But it it says so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. It's like you're just going to go in there. uh, Still through the blood of Jesus. Not through any self-righteousness. But we're going to go in having known that we've done what God called us to do. It's almost more like a triumphal type of... And, and that's what Paul's talking about here. There's nothing uh, like minimal or minuscule about what Paul's talking about. He said there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. The Lord's going to give me in that day. I finished. I've completed. I fought. And, and you just get the picture of, you know, him just going in full. I've done it, Lord. Well, how did he do it? By the power of the Lord. But we know that. But he did it. He finished what God had for him to do. And so uh, we go out looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We don't, as I said, we may not and probably will not uh, accomplish in this life for the Lord what Paul accomplished for the Lord. But he's not my standard. Christ is my standard for life and for living and for holiness and purity. And But I absolutely can learn, and so can you and every believer can, and we should learn from looking at a life like the Apostle Paul's life. Looking how, looking how he lived once he got saved. What did he count as being valuable? What does he count as being dumb or waste? What did he do with his life once he was saved? How did he finish when he knew he was about to be martyred? Was he afraid? Was he scared? Was he saying, pray church, pray that this doesn't happen to me? He was going out Finishing what God had called him to do. I can learn from that. And I should learn from that. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What is he talking about? What are these great cloud of witnesses? We know from Hebrews chapter 11, right before that, there was all these that we know, knew their names like Joshua and, and uh, Abel and, and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah these that are named and those that are not named. But that's the great cloud of witnesses. What did they do? That have gone before us in the faith, in the Lord, and that, that died in the faith. The Bible says these all died in the faith. 
They all finished strong. They all finished the way God. Some were sawn asunder. Some were wandered around destitute and lived in animal skins was their clothes and lived in caves. And some quenched the, stopped the mouths of lions and quenched fires and turned armies to flight. That was God's choosing. Did they die a martyr's death? Or did they, they die some victory in battle for the Lord? That was God's choosing. But they all finished the faith. And that's the ones that were compassed about with so great, great a cloud of witnesses. So don't compare yourself to Paul as far as, gosh, he led this many people to the Lord and I've only led this many. Uh, that's not the point. The point is, are you doing what God's called you to do? You and I, am I doing what God's called me to do? And I'm to look unto Jesus, but I'm encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses that, it, that I can certainly learn from and should learn from. Amen? And you and I can finish our course by... His Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, by God's power, just as honorably and completely as Paul did, just as successfully as Paul or Daniel or Moses. And uh, Daniel didn't do what Paul did. He was captive most of his life under three different, at least three different kings that we know of and empires. And yet we still talk about Daniel. He, to me, is one of my favorites. He's incredible. His testimony for the Lord, uh, his integrity, whether he's being thrown in the lion's den or whatever's going on, you know, taken captive as a young man without his parents or anybody else there to a foreign land. His testimony for the Lord. Daniel finished up the way he was supposed to finish up. He lived through his life the way he was supposed to finish. I mentioned Moses. Well, Moses didn't go, go to the promised land. Well, it wasn't God's will. He did sin and God didn't let him go in. But all that was made right with the Lord before that time. The Lord let him see it. He was pleased with him. He wasn't like in the doghouse or something like that. He was in God's will. The Lord let him see it. And, and he was content. And he, Moses finished what he was supposed to finish, I believe, with the people of God. And the Lord called him home. And so... Uh, Paul had his own calling. I just want to read this real quickly. The Lord said unto him in his testimony, when he met him on the road to Damascus, Go thy way. He's speaking to Ananias, actually. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and kings and the children of Israel. Well, you and I aren't called necessarily to bear the name of the Lord before kings and the children of Israel, for example. Maybe you are. Maybe God's got some calling on your life. He certainly can do that. But Paul was called to that. He was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And what he's saying, and he said, I'm innocent or from the blood of all men. Well, that means he had to have run the race that was set before him. He had to have finished his course. For him to say, I'm innocent from the blood of all men. That doesn't mean everybody he talked to got saved. It doesn't mean everybody uh, that he passed by on the street that he shared the gospel with. But I believe it means wherever he was, had that unction of the Holy Ghost to open his mouth in a marketplace or on Mars Hill or in a synagogue in, in some Antioch or someplace like that or to testify before Felix or Festus or whoever he testified before, wherever he knew God would have me to share his glorious saving gospel. He did it. That's what he meant. That he's innocent or free or pure from the blood of all men. To me, that's running the course. 
That's finishing the race that's set before him. And he did that. I want you to, uh, well, I'm going to read this. and You can go and turn your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Now this is, um, again, you know, the Bible tells us that he that even gives a cup of cold water to a disciple in the name, and I mean, to, to one in the name of a disciple only, <clears throat> still going to receive a reward from the Lord. So we don't have to compare ourselves to the great works that Paul did. But we do need to be faithful. And I want us to read about Moses, for example, real quickly. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, and partakers of the heavenly calling. So keep in mind the whole time the call of God upon your life. We all have a heavenly calling and a holy calling and a call to be holy and an upward calling and the high calling of God on Christ Jesus. But then individually, every believer has that call. That's where we're the same. Okay? We're all walking. We're all being conformed to the image of Jesus. We're all walking by faith. We're all going to have the same fruit of the Spirit that comes through our life. You know, Sherry's life's not going to be vastly different than my life in like integrity and the fruit of the Spirit and Christ-likeness. We're all got that calling. But then individually we have calls. Like Paul called to testify before kings and princes and Gentiles and so forth. Well, here it says, uh, consider, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle, that's Jesus, and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. So there's a comparison. Is Moses Christ? Is he anything near? I mean, Christ is uncreated. The comparison is not in their essence or being. The comparison is in their faithfulness. That Jesus Christ was faithful to what God called him to do. I only do the things I see my Father doing. Only. And he's the only one that perfectly lived that way. I mean, there's no question about it. I only say the things I hear my Father saying. I mean, from the cradle to the cross, He was in the will of God and there was no point, no point where He strayed outside of that. That is an amazing thing. It really is. But the comparison is the faithfulness, okay? He was faithful, Jesus was, to Him that appointed Him, verse 2, as also Moses was faithful in all His house. His house would have been the children of Israel that, that God had called Him to be leader of an emancipator of, and to give the law to, and so forth. All according to God's perfect will. For this man was counted worthy, Jesus, of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And he's building your life, and he's building my life. We need to let him. We need to let him build that house the way he wants to. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ is a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. We're talking about finishing strong, right? Finishing strong, being faithful. Moses is just given as a comparison. It's his faithfulness to what God called him to do. To Jesus Christ, who is the faithful one. Alright? And so you and I, 
were not written about in the Bible. We didn't live in the Bible's days. He didn't choose for that. But I believe that there's a calling upon all, all of our lives in Christ as believers, no matter how we greatly we sinned before we came to Jesus, now that we're born again, if any man is in Christ, seek those things that are above. There's a calling now upon my life. I need to find out what it is and I need to walk faithfully in it because nothing else matters. I need to find out what that is day by day, the little things, and He'll reveal to me the big things. I promise you, if you'll walk with Him closely day by day, minute by minute, moment by moment, He's going to lead you into the far off things as well. You know what I'm saying? What's your five-year plan, your 10-year plan? Where do you see yourself in 20 years, in five years? I don't know. Sometimes God does show people things like that. Sometimes He, he doesn't. But I know He shows us all and He'll get us there when we keep it daily in, in communion with the Lord. I mean communion with the Lord where I'm hearing His voice because the little steps add up to big steps. All right? The little Chinese proverb, the thousand mile journey begins with the first step. You know, yeah, it's the little steps day by day that are going to get me there. And God can speed it up anytime He wants. It looks like the 20 year plan and He might move me there next week if He wants to. You understand what I'm saying? But it's going to come as I'm communing with the Lord day by day. Being faithful in the little things. Moses was faithful in all his house. Everything that God called him to do. Doesn't say he never sinned. He did sin. But he was faithful in all of his house. And, and we can be as well. And I want to read uh, Acts chapter uh, 26. Turn there with me if you would. This is Paul testifying um, later in his life and later in his ministry before King Agrippa. Acts chapter 26, verse 16. He's, he's kind of recounting before Agrippa as he did in other places his testimony of that Damascus Road salvation and calling of, of the Lord upon his life. And so let's read Acts 26, verse 16. So he's testifying about his, this account, encounter with the Lord. But rise and stand upon thy feet. This is Jesus speaking to him. He's speaking before Agrippa. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister. So he's telling him real clearly, Paul, this is what Paul never lost sight of. He never lost sight of Jesus. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering be made conformable to his death. You know what that is? That's the heavenly calling that all of us have. We can be just like Paul in Philippians 3.10. But this would be specific to him. He says, the Lord says, I've, I've chosen you for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of those things, these things which thou hast seen, and of those things the which I will appear unto thee. So there's future things I'm still going to teach you and show you. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And here's what I want to get to, verse 19. Wherefore, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. He's not being arrogant. He's not boasting. He, he's saying... I wasn't disobedient to what God called me to do. That seems like a simple truth, but there's a lot of Christians, Christians, 
that are really saved, that are going to heaven, that are disobedient in some areas of their life as to what God's called them to do. God will still deal with them. He's not going to let it slide. He's not going to let it go. Maybe tomorrow will be their day of repentance and they'll get that right with God. But he's saying, even, even at that very moment in his life, I wasn't disobedient. I haven't been disobedient to that calling. And at the end of his life, 2 Timothy 4, which we read at the beginning of the message, he says, I finished it. I finished my career. I finished my course. I was not disobedient. Didn't say he wasn't sin, never sinned again. He says he wasn't disobedient to the faith or to what God called him to do. And we're, I'm just going to begin to, to, to bring this uh, to a close. But, you know, we can. There's, there's people that live and die, live and die with regrets. And you and I could live and die that way or we could live and die without regrets. And I've shared my testimony so many times, but I will tell you, and I'll tell to the young people here that are not the age that I am now, that my time as a Christian in end of high school and college, looking back, I do regret that. You understand what I'm saying? People say, I've got no regrets, no regrets. I do have regrets. I never share the gospel with one person in five, that five years of my life. Not one. I never uh, went on a mission trip or, you understand what I'm saying? I didn't grow in the Lord. I didn't do anything with my Savior or for my Savior, even though I was saved. I lived a compromised life. One foot in the world, one foot in the church. But the Lord didn't let me die that way. I'm very thankful He didn't. And He had this whole life ahead of me. And it's like He's sitting there you know, tapping his foot, saying, I'm waiting on you, Randy. Whenever you get here, we're going to get going. We're going to get on with your life because right now you're like on a, a little rat in the, the, the little wheel, you know, a treadmill. You're not going anywhere. One year, two year, all the way through five years as a Christian. Not talking about the, what I, how I lived before I got saved. And it got me off the treadmill and I got in the plan of God and, and the life of the fellowship with the Lord and start walking with the Lord. I don't live depressed about it, those years that were wasted, but it'd be a lie to say those, those years were lived for the Lord. They weren't. Or those years were lived the way I wish I had lived those years. They weren't. God's kind, He made up the years the canker worm had eaten. Okay? He did that. My point is that we can live and then die with regrets, never having gotten that stuff right gotten in God's plan or purpose or will or or we can you know we could just the best of all is just to live with God the whole time that's the best testimony of all we can live with regrets and die with regrets in the sense that we have unfinished business how many times have you heard even in a movie or you're reading up about some famous historical figure or athlete or anybody and, and it's on their deathbed they're regretting their life. You know? I uh, spent all this time coaching football and I hold, hold all the records, but I never got to know my kids. They're about to die. You know what I mean? They're, this coach is coming. There are people that have regrets like that. That live that way and die that way. Or we can, we can live and die having finished according to God. And that's all that matters. What He has for us. 
And that's all I'm talking about today. It, it's possible to do that. Enoch had this testimony that he walked with God. Well, his testimony is not anything like Paul's or Abraham that was 120 years old or however when, I mean, Moses was 120 years old when he died. You know what I'm saying? Enoch walked with God and he had this testimony before the Lord took him and translated him to heaven. He had this testimony that he pleased God. Did Enoch finish strong? Absolutely. Did Elijah finish strong? Did he live maybe as old as Elisha who, who died of some sickness later in life? Elijah was taken up in a fiery chariot to go be with the Lord and, and didn't die a physical death. Elisha, we read about, got sick and died of some sickness and both of them finished what they were supposed to do. It's just very exciting to me that we can finish strong. We can finish with, and, and y'all, I'll say this, we, don't, we ought not get caught up in daydreaming and, and entangled with this world and, and affairs of this world and also don't get caught up because we get distracted from what God has for us, okay? And also don't get caught up or let some past sin or failure keep you from finishing your course. God has an answer for your past sin and your failure. And He has an answer for your present sin and your failure. And he has an answer for your future sin, which doesn't have to be, by the way. Your future sin doesn't have to be. Alright? But He has an answer for that, a provision for that through the blood of Jesus. Don't let it keep you now. If you're sitting here listening to this sermon today and God is speaking to you today because He still wants to do what He wants to do in your life. You say, well, I blew it royally right here. Therefore, I can't be used by God to get here. Yes, you can. God can get you where you need to be. And th those are lies of the devil and lies of our own humanity and carnal thinking that keep us from getting where God wants us to be. Bringing this to a close, a person can start strong and finish strong. I think that's the best of all. Start strong, I'm talking about as a believer. Come to Christ, you're gloriously saved, you're well saved like our Irish uh, brothers and friends say, and we can finish strong like Daniel, like Elijah, like Enoch, okay? Somebody could start slowly and have times, I'm talking about as a believer, all these are a believer, and then, and then repent, get, get the compromise and sin out of their life and really get serious about the Lord and finish strong. Some, some people may uh, start strong and then stray somewhere in the middle, okay? And then God brings them back, like Solomon we mentioned, I believe. Peter even did that when he denied the Lord three times. You know, if you look at Peter's life, he's saying the night that Jesus was arrested and the Lord said to him before that, when, when Peter said, Lord, why can't I go with you now? I'm, I'm ready to die for you, Lord. He says, Peter, before this night's over, you're going to deny me three times. Uh, Peter's the one that made this profession of faith. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter's the one that said, when the other disciples left, Lord, to whom shall we go? We believe and are sure that thou art the Christ and have the words of eternal life. If you looked at Peter there, you say, he'll never fail. He'll never stray. You look at Peter, uh, you know, sometime later, he's denying the Lord three times. If you looked at him right there and cursing, I mean, here's a believer that walked with the Lord cursing. I don't know him. Woman, I don't know what you're talking about. And cursing and this foul stuff coming out of his mouth. You looked at him in there and say, there's no chance for this guy. 
He'll never finish being amount to anything for the Lord, right? If we just looked at him there, then you see him later, and the Lord says, well, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. I got a calling for you. And Peter died for the Lord upside down for his Lord and Savior. Did he finish strong? Absolutely. Don't let a sin somewhere in the middle or the beginning or anywhere keep you from finishing up your course strong. He finished it, brother, and he finished it the way he was supposed to. Just like God wanted him to do. Who but God can do that? But we have to keep our eyes on the Lord and keep walking with the Lord. We can live that way and die that way. Moses, in one of the few Psalms that Moses wrote, Psalm 90, he said, Lord, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And that I need to be wise as I'm going through life. I've got a course to finish. I've got a race to run. I have a fight, not of my own choosing, but that God has set for me to fight and to run. And, and we can finish it, and we can finish it strong, just the way the Lord wants us to. Amen? And God wants us to go out that way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Uh, it's all by the Lord's... Um, glory is all by the Lord's enabling, the forgiveness when we sin, and then the day by day, what seems like just routine days of walking with God and living life. It's all by His grace. He's up. He's the one that's upholding us. Okay. Sometimes we notice it more than others, but it's His power that upholds us, and He gets us from point A to point B. He got the Apostle Paul to that point. Okay, and Elijah and everyone else. I want to close with this uh, true life illustration. I thought it was very good. I've shared it before in years past, but uh, there was a British mountain climber. His name was George Mallory, and some of y'all may have heard this. And uh, he had he had was the first one is believed to reach the summit of Mount Everest. He had fought in World War I as a, as a, in the British Army as a lieutenant. And then he, he took on this, uh, this, ex, this desire with different expeditions to reach the top of Mount Everest. Three times they had tried and failed. They didn't reach the summit. And he's on his fourth journey. Nobody has reached the top. He's on his fourth journey. And... Uh, and, and I want to give this account from it, from a witness. There was a witness named Noel Odell. And so the way these mountain expeditions work, they'll set up base camps. They'll climb to so many thousand feet elevation and set a base camp there where they can kind of get a fresh start and go from rest up a little bit and maybe go from there. And they'll set up another base camp. Well, from the base camp below, you know, here's an eyewitness that's watching him. Uh, what would have been the last literally last few hundred feet to reach the peak, all right? Noel Odell was the witness. At 12.50, he says there was a sudden clearing of the atmosphere because a fog bank had come, and come over and he lost sight of the two climbers. It was, it was uh, Mallory and a, and a climbing partner named uh, Sandy Irvin. And so they're climbing up there and suddenly the atmosphere cleared. He says the entire summit ridge and... Uh, and the final peak of Everest were unveiled. My eyes became fixed on one tiny black spot silhouetted on a small snow crest beneath a rock step in the ridge. The black spot moved. Another black spot became apparent and moved up the snow to join the other on the crest. 
The first then approached the great rock step and shortly emerged on the top. The second did likewise. He says the whole fascinating envision, this is according to the eyewitness, was then uh, enveloped once more in a cloud. So he's watching up. He sees these two little black specks and, and now the cloud comes back over and he lost sight of them. But, but his testimony was the last time we saw him, he was climbing. And I, I love that. He, he went out. They never found him. They found him 75 years later. They sent an expedition up to find him. Did he reach the top? We don't know. He was a couple hundred feet away. Was he on his way back down? Uh, but it, the, the testimony of his life, I know it's just a natural sense, but the last time I saw him, he was climbing. And I think that's the way God would have us to go out of this life. The last time I want somebody to see me, if I killed over in a minute, okay, or you did, well, he's, you know, he used to serve God, and I think he's still a Christian. He's out there somewhere. He's watching some filth on TV. I was kind of surprised he was watching that, or whatever. I don't want to live that way. For the testimony for the Lord, or for my own walk with the Lord, or for the rewards that I have coming, and all of the above, if you see a man, a young man, the last time we saw him, he was moving. He was, he was climbing. And he was taking new ground. That's how I want to be. And that's how we all can be. I don't have to compare myself to Paul in his life, in that sense of his ministry, but I can definitely compare myself to Apostle Paul in finishing the course, fighting the good fight. And what a testimony. And, and I don't even know that this man was a Christian or that or anything, um, they were 800 vertical feet away from the summit when he died. His body was found May 1st, 1999. This was 75 years after this, uh, this expedition that he went on in June of, of 1924. But for people to look at my life and your life, and I would say more importantly for the Lord to look at our hearts and lives, because men may take note, they might not take note, and see everything. Certainly they don't see all that God sees. But that you and I would die in such a way that we're, and live in such a way. See, if you live this way, then you're going to ensure that you're going to die that way. Amen? In such a way that we're climbing. We look at every day as a new day with the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to go to church and worship the Lord today with all my heart and mind. If He brings us back to the prayer meeting, I'm going to seek His face tonight. Guess what? You're going to find out over the, you're, you're in the will of God. And you're going to find out that you died having finished what God called you to do. And you're going to find out that you died climbing. And you're going to probably have taken new ground you didn't even know you could take or would ever take. And how did God get me to here? It's amazing where He brought me from to where He brought me to. We did it day by day. He did it one step at a time. He did it climbing up that mountain little by little. He did it. But He got us there day by day climbing and walking with the Lord. And I just thank the Lord that, that a, a person can finish that way and He would have us to finish that way. And I'm going to close with this verse. Indeed, the altars are, are open. And uh, you, can, you can go on and stand, but I'm closing with this. In Hebrews 10, 39, we are not of them that draw back under perdition. Paul says we're not that. We're not of those. Or the, the author of Hebrews said, we're not of those that draw back under perdition. Begin to believe. We're not those that we could compare to Demas and so forth. We're not Demas. 
But he says, we are those, them that believe to the saving of the soul. And I would say we're those that believe all through our lives and finishing up the way that God has called us to do. So y'all stand with me this morning. I sure appreciate this altar that Chris made. This, and I pray that we'll use it. pray we'll wear it out and have to build new ones. Uh, and, and they'll be filled up. Uh, but, but let's use it, y'all. Let's take some time and pray and meet with the Lord and ask Him, God, help us to finish that way. Help me to live that way. And so, Father, we just come before You.